0: Great. So, um, about 15 years ago, I went to my first international rugby <coughs> game. Uh, I went with actually Phil Moore. Some of you know him. He was working at Procter & Gamble. I was working at a marketing agency, and uh, it was a k- big corporate event. We were in Twickenham. I'd never been to an international before. I think England playing Tonga, I think, and uh, we were. In Twickenham, if you know Twickenham, we were in the bars there with all these corporate people. And, um, and then it came time for the game, and then suddenly there's this massive surge of people walking from Twickenham Centre to rugby, the Twickenham Rugby Ground, the stadium that you may know. And the mass of people you were just carried to the entrance to this massive stadium, I think even if you didn't want to go, if you changed your mind, you were still going. You know, even if you were walking past and doing shopping, you would have been sucked into the surge of this crowd going to this game. Um, Another, I'm not a great footballer or a rugby player, but these are my two two times in my life. Another time I went to a football match when I was a little boy, um, West Bromwich Albion. Uh, I don't know why, but uh, I went there, and uh, I didn't really know why I was there, but I was there. And for 90 minutes, we were behind the goal mouth. All the supporters just shouted for 90 minutes, chant after chant after chant. And you get drawn in and you start chanting the same thing. You don't know what you're saying, but you start shouting with everyone and you get caught up in the crowd. And um, you know, I was probably it was probably indecent stuff. I was shouting abuse at the other team or something, but I just got caught up shouting the same thing as everyone else. Okay, this will all become clear while I'm sharing this in a minute. Uh, there basically is real power in community, isn't there? Real power in community, in doing stuff together. And, um, but actually, it can be used for good, but it can also be used negatively. Let me read the passage that we're in, in Acts 19, 23 to 34. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> about that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. which is talking about Jesus. A silversmith named Demetrius who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in no little business for the craftsmen. He called them together, the craftsmen, along with the workmen related, with workmen related to this trades, and said, men, you know, we receive a good income from the, this business. And you see and hear how this fellow, Paul, has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that man-made gods are no gods at all. There is a danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited, and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. I'll keep going. When they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was in uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristocus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and, rushed, and they rushed as one man into the theater, which is a big stadium. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theatre. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. The Jews pushed Alexander to the front, and some of the crowd shouted instructions to him. He motioned for silence in order to make a defence before the people. But when they realized he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for about two hours, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And then the passage goes on, and basically the city clerk, the town clerk, disbands the group and the crowd. So my question to you is, do you know why you're here? And do you know what you're shouting about? Or, even better, maybe it's a call to action. Know why you're here, and know what you're shouting about. Don't be like these Ephesians in, in this passage I've just read, pulled along by popular culture into something he didn't really set out to follow. Don't be like a boat just meandering down a river without a motor, just being drawn by the current of the river, taking you wherever it wishes. Young people, don't get caught up in the crowd of drinking, drugs, promiscuity, shaming people online. If you're not careful, if we're all not careful, we can just be singing and shouting about The same things that everyone else around us is shouting about. Verse 29 in our passage says this. People rushed as one man into the theatre. Verse 32. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. Are you being drawn into the pressure of conforming to the masses? Are you starting to believe like many, that Jesus is boring, irrelevant, untrue, and taken over by modern technology, modern thinking. It says that the Ephesians shouted for two hours, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. But their shouts were misguided. They were just shouting about a false god. People today are actually no different to the Ephesians and are shouting about false gods all the time. And um, I think it would be just good to kind of remind ourselves of this. Um, the, the 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 normal ones we think of as money, sex, and power. And we can probably see this in this passage as well. The, the tradesmen were conv- worried about their t- trade being affected by the uh, sale of these little... Um, Shrines, like I've got one here, a modern-day one. They were just little silver shrines of. Um, where am I going to put him? Down there. Um, li- little silver shrines of the the, the goddess Artemis. And um, so, firstly, money—it was going to hit their trade, wasn't it? Are you concerned that about materialism? Is that one of your gods? Are you? full of greed, are you uh, just caught up in the consumerism trap? The second thing, sex. Now, this um, goddess, it was goddess of life, Artemis. And um, in a strange way, they allowed um, promiscuity and temple prostitution, because this was the goddess of life, and this was allowed. And so addressing this goddess, was going to change their um, license to uh, prostitution. Are you caught into this? Are you so wrapped up in promiscuity and, uh, and sex and your image and how you look and how you appear before other men or other women? Power. Th- these guys were worried about how it was going to affect their control of all the people that they had buying these little silver shrines basically all the travelers that came in they would sell them outside the temple to all the people that traveled through and it was a big business for them and they they kind of supported the temple of artemis and and also their own greed so this power is going to be hit, hit the control of the people so let's look at Ephesus. Now, I can say with confidence, Ephesus is a real place. I know we sometimes um, say uh, at this, and we put something up on the map. I've been there. It actually exists. I can say this with integrity. I won't be able to do that about many of these places in the world. But I've been to Ephesus. In fact, there might be a picture that comes up in a minute. So it's a real place in modern-day Turkey. It was a large, bustling port city of the uh, Roman world. Traders would be coming and going. It was a really ungodly city where there was drunkenness and all this idol worship to the goddess Artemis. And um, as I said, there'd be animal sacrifice and this um, temple prostitution going on. Um, But even though this city had given their life to impurity and uh, ungodliness and darkness, we can learn one thing about their way of life. Here we go. We can one, one, learn one thing about their way of life. They, they did community very well. They did stuff together all the time. And as I said, some stuff in community is good and some stuff is negative. Let's take the positive stuff of community, of family, of being one body from these people. So just some examples. Um, when we wandered around Ephesus, we went this summer actually, and I went also 10 years ago, um, you could see... Uh, they, this is the... Oh, no, no, not that one, yeah. oh, there That's a library there, so they'd all gather at the library. And um, other things they did, they had communal bars, gymnasiums together, and also communion toilets. You can go to the next one. So that you can't do this now. You can't sit on the toilets. So they, did, they even did toilets together. I mean, that's going a bit too far. But they did life together. And um, this is ten years ago, so you can't do this now. They've roped it off. I don't know if it was in response to me and Jen messing around. But uh, this year, you can't go in that area. So, um, and, then, and together, they did entertainment. They would have gone to this grand theatre. And we have an image of the theatre. You don't want to see that anymore. So this is, an image. This is the theatre that's talked about in uh, uh, our passage. This is where they would have swarmed to. So they would have used that for gladiator games and dramatic events. But also for big political events. Um, kind of events where they were going to demonstrate um, and things. So we can see they did lots of things together. And so I want us to be challenged of what we can see about how they did stuff together. Let's continue to do life together. Um, There's real power in doing life together. And we're going to do more things together as a church. But I want us to demonstrate meaningful community, living as a family together, as a community more and more, as a church, I hope you do too. Because out there is an individualistic, um, isolated, lonely world, and people are so insular and all about themselves and their walls. Um, so I want to encourage us to work, rest, and play together for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Um, so on this occasion, they weren't going to the stadium for the for a a social event. It was a religious demonstration. Basically, a riot in the city broke out. There was huge social unrest. The gospel spoken by Paul had offended a whole community. It challenged the credibility of the idols, jeopardized their income from selling these little silver figurines of Artemis to the travelers. So what can we learn from this? Why has the Holy Spirit put this passage in the Bible for us? Paul challenged people by saying that God's made with hands are not God's. Where Paul gave, uh, he gave this message also previously in uh, Acts 17, let me read it, Acts 17, 24, 25, he said, the God, made, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven. And earth, and does not live in temples built by hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. So, God wants to challenge today the wrong image that we have of him. And you may think, I don't have an idol, but I want to kind of address everyone here and actually challenge that maybe we have a distorted view of God and anything which isn't the true picture of who God is, is a false God. And this is so crucial because actually we can pull up a picture. Outside um, uh, Ephesus, there's all of these Think they're still shelling, selling these little shrines, aren't they? It's still going on. It's the same thing. So all of those watches, all those lovely Swiss watches, they're not real. They may look like the real thing, but they're genuine fakes. <laughs> and I want us to be aware of that. Idols today may not take the little form of little figurines like this, but there's many idols out there. And I want you to be aware of the idols in your life, but I want you to be aware of the idols that the world today are following and bowing down to. And uh, so Paul was brilliant at kind of relating to the people at the time. I think a few weeks ago we learned about how he spoke about the poets of the day. And he, he spoke to them in their language. And it's so important that we speak to people where they are at and relating to them where they're at. And I've been challenged recently by something actually Keith sent on an email about, because I, I could ask you, what do you think some of the gods of today, the idols of today are? And I don't know, we could have a good go at it, couldn't we? Well, I thought actually some, a really helpful way to look or indicate what the idols of today are. Or what are the top ten Google searches. What are people looking for? What are they searching for in life? And helpfully, Keith sent that information to us a few weeks ago, so we can pull that up on the screen, and I'll let you look at it. And now, I was really challenged by this because I actually didn't un- I didn't know a lot of these people, <laughs> and it just made me think: actually, do I know people and what they're searching up? These are the top. 10 searches. And I didn't recognize half of them. And so, I mean, World Cup, I got that one. I knew what that was. I'm not into football, but I knew what that one was. (laughs) But this is a national idol. People dedicate themselves their whole lives to pursuing, to supporting, to shouting about, to following football teams. So, we need to talk to people at their level, where they're at. Um, Mac Miller, I had no clue. Fortunately, my children helped me out there. Apparently, he is an American rapper. I looked at one of his videos. 92 million other people also looked at this video. 92 million. He died last year of a drug overdose. In fact, about three or four people of the people here have all died, Uh, two from committing suicide. Um, The other one is uh, Kate Spade. I bet you know who Kate Spade is, don't you? No? Oh, I can tell you. I can educate you. She's a fashion designer. (laughs) Does lovely handbags, um, (laughs) apparently. (laughs) Committed suicide last year. So people are searching up. I thought it was interesting, actually. People are searching up about. These really super sex successful people are now dead and committed suicide and now and people are searching for what the meaning of life is and they kind of these people that hold out everything in the man's eyes what well, success is successful rapper, successful fashion designer and now they're gone like the temple of Artemis crumbled to the floor now gone we can look at what. Well, Okay, Black Panther, does anyone know who Black Panther is? Okay. Well, for those of you who don't, I've got a little clip. This is just, this is just to educate you who Black Panther is. You're excited, aren't you? <laughs> Sorry! Yes, yes, yes. Remote driving system activated. Wait! Which side of the road is it? For bus' sake, just drive. Okay, calm down. <laughs> <Woo>! Let's go! It's <laughs> cool, isn't it? I've not seen the film. I'm going to watch it now, though. <clears throat> but... I show you these things because we need to understand the culture that we're living in, don't we? We really do. If we're going to have any credibility, if we we're going to be able to communicate to people, we need to understand what they're searching up, what they're looking out for, what they're following. And um, yeah, I was just challenged by that list uh, that I didn't know quite a few of them. And you know, it's interesting that people are looking up that he was number six out of the top 10 searches. And we've said this before. People are looking for a superhero, aren't they? People are looking for a hero in their lives. That's why there's so many superhero films. That's why they're so successful. But we know the original superhero, the original rescuer. And so I think that's helpful, that we can talk to people at that level. Um, So as I said, more and more I'm realising that we need to meet people where they're at rather than expect them to come to where I am or expect them to come to where I want them to be. I'm expecting too much. I need to speak to them where they're at. Um, a friend of mine says uh, he said, it's uh, just a helpful illustration um, about how he wants to talk and share Jesus to his children and um, but they're just more interested in uh, curling up on the sofa and watching Finding Nemo and eating popcorn. And he says, so he does that with his children. And then moments later, he will talk to them about how the perfect father comes to seek and save the lost. And that's how he can bring the message of the gospel through where the children are at. And I think that's just a helpful way. We need to remember we're just guiding people towards Christ. And, um, <coughs> I mean, yeah, I'll move on actually. So I want to leave time for response. I'm doing okay for time. This is good. As I said, when we preach God's word, we do want a response from people, don't we? And, um, because we believe that this is eternal truth. This is life-giving stuff in here. And uh, in this passage, God unapologetically confronts the idols in lives. And but not only that, holds up the perfect plan for mankind. For us to worship the one true living God. And um, so our response this morning needs to be a couple of things. I guess if you're here and you're not a Christian then you might be able to relate to some of the Ephesians and uh, you feel that actually I'm just caught up in the crowd of popular belief. I've just been drawn in. I'm holding really firmly to my man-made God and I'm scared to let that go because of the consequences it might have. You are rejecting the gospel based on the loss that you might get if you accept christ the loss of credibility of maybe money of maybe that's your security maybe it's the the crowd that you follow if you follow christ you've got to walk away from the crowd that you follow maybe you've just seen the fragility of your uh, current god and as I said, like Artemis' temple, when you go around the ruins, there's, there's, I think, one pillar left. They said at the time that Artemis fell from heaven and he was a god. Well, this, all that's left of his temple is a one pillar stacked up on a modern-day plinth of concrete. It's all just man-made. Maybe you're just beginning to see this morning the fragility, the uh, just the, just the, the go what you're putting your trust in is not stable. It is not worth following and committing and laying your life down for. Now, so that's, that maybe you, you, you're not a believer, and you're just fearful of following Christ of what you might have to give up. But maybe you're a believer here. Maybe you do follow Jesus. But you've still got a distorted view of God. And you fail to see him in his true perfection and glory. And this is damaging who you are. Because if you fail to see the true gift of Jesus in his fullness, in his grace, and in his love, then your identity will be affected. And so you might say you follow Christ, but you're actually starting to add in other idols to supplement God because you're not fulfilled, you're not satisfied, you're not complete in Christ. I love the songs we sang earlier about being in Christ. Are you completely in Christ? Failure to see Jesus' identity correctly will result in failure to see your identity correctly. There's a verse in Ephesians 4, verse 8, that says this, You are light in the Lord, therefore live as children of light. So you are light in the Lord, in Christ. And from that, therefore you can live as children of light. So um, what does this passage (laughs) require? How does it require us to respond this morning? Uh, I guess one thing I felt is uh, repentance, actually. Now, let me explain what that is. It's just a turning away, a 180 degree change of mind, change of heart. Deciding to walk away from all the things that currently replace God in your life. Turning from your obsession, your idol, making him your whole desire, your whole passion. Everything, as I said before, that we fill our lives with is a counterfeit God. They're genuine fakes. They may look like the real thing, but they will break eventually, like the Replica Swiss watch—it'll break eventually. In order for mankind to be completely satisfied, you must have Christ as your first love. That's what we—that's where we're wired. That's the way we've been designed. We're all designed to worship one thing, and people will go after many things like a picture i had at the beginning people just going to the there's an innate desire in us to worship whether it be football whether it be a pop idol whatever but we will only truly be satisfied when we bow the knee and submit our heart to the lord jesus christ he needs to be your deepest deepest joy your deepest friend here on earth This passage, and in fact all of Scripture, is about one person. It's about Jesus. We can see it in our passage today (coughs) where it refers to Jesus being the way. Um, And we know that familiar passage about how Jesus described himself as the way, the truth, and the life. In response to people's question, how do we know the way? And there may be people here this morning that are asking, how do we know the way? And Jesus would say again to you this morning, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So as we respond, I want to give people firstly the opportunity to follow Christ, to make a decision to follow him this morning to turn from your current false gods and follow Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you want to do that. But alongside that, if you are a Christian here and you are just feeling the prompt of God, that you are also carrying additional gods, false gods in your life, that at the moment you feel you just couldn't do without but actually you are convicted and feel that you're rob- you're being robbed. You're robbing God from your full devotion. Your heart is divided, and and you need to respond as well this morning. I'll ask you to raise your hand, uh, but we won't do that yet, I, because I, I said at the beginning, if uh, people have got any words that they want to share which might just help people um, and just unlock people uh, this morning. Reveal people's hearts about false gods, false idols, shrines, things that they're following, the things that their hearts are devoted to. Um, I want us all to know why you're here and what you're shouting about. God wants you to know while you're here. Not just here, but here on this earth. And he wants uh, you to know what you're shouting about. There's that bit where it says, uh, what's the chief end of man? I think it's to, I've written it down, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. You could rephrase that to shout about God and to enjoy him forever.